Welcome to episode 846 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 846 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz back in the studios. Back in the studios, good I, to be here. I noticed that what we're doing in today's show is we're doing the work that you were meant to do on Epic Camp. Well, I was I, I was doing a fair bit of work on Epic Camp yeah. on, on many fronts. On many, he's a man of many talents, I tell you. So we've got about three interviews out, but today we're going to be talking interviews. But before we do, let's say thank you to our sponsor, Form Goggles. Get the most accurate real-time metrics, hundreds of guided workouts, and lap-by-lap motivation. Check them out at formswim.com. Use the promo code IM15 to get a discount as well. We want to say a big Thank you to our patrons as well. Craig, the Time Lord McCarthy. Julian, the Commandant Swats. And Matt Hot Rod Dixon. Oh, Hot Rod Dixon. Okay, we've got some news. We've got Hot Topic of the Week. And as I said before, we're actually doing lots of Epic Camp interviews today. We are. We're talking with Gareth Holbrook, who we spoke to a few weeks ago um, after Ironman. Tim Doyle, who was uh, the fastest athlete on camp. Hamish Wall. Um, I don't hit the wall, Hamish. Yeah, uh, is going to talk some of the stats. And then we've also got Rebecca Spears, who you heard from last week. It was her first, uh, first Epic Camp. And we hear from her. Okay, good times. Uh, Wing of the week, questions and answers at the end. Okay, let's get into a big weekend in the world of triathlon. We had the 70.3 world champs. I've got to say, John, they kind of just skipped by me. It was a bit underwhelming, the whole thing, to be honest. And uh, it was partly because it was a funny time of day for us. Yeah. And I woke up and I got the email with the results. And mm-hmm. so both days I kind mm-hmm. of got the email before I – so I kind of lost a bit of interest in trying to follow the race. So I'm not the best person to talk about what happened. Well, uh, quickly, the, the good things that I liked about this race, um, the course there is just spectacular from a from a spectator point of view and also from an athlete's point of view Great. in terms of having a good, solid, challenging championship race. Love that. Um some off-the-charts performances, um, particularly by Taylor Nib. We'll talk about that in a minute. And Ben Canute giving Blumenfeld a, um, what seemed like a run for his money. Um, otherwise, when they came off the bike, I was thinking, this is going to be a bit boring. So did Canute catch him up? Cause it uh, like they were Blum- coming off the bike together. Because I kind of flicked through it, and it looked yeah. like Blumenfeld had the lead, and then I went further and looked like... Yeah, so he, uh, Canute was just a little bit behind off the bike, uh, like a handful of seconds, more or less four of them came off together, and then Blumenfeld got a nice big gap, or a nice gap, and then Canute caught him up and they ran together. We'll talk about that a bit okay. more in a moment. So okay. it was good that there was a race in the, in the boys' event, because initially it was going to be uh, thinking, oh, this could be boring. Yeah. Uh, they're not so good. Um, one of the things they had for you guys that watched it, it was on outside TV, and if you don't have a paid subscription, you basically have to watch it live, um, which is good if you're Which in was the, a problem for me. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I was yeah because I was on Facebook Live and there was the only kind of place you could get set and you couldn't go back. Yeah, so it was um, yeah we had I got up at about four forty both mornings and watched it from that time on, which allowed us to watch the tail end of the bike and the start of the run. So um, yeah, when you're it's on Facebook Live, you can just rewind and it's all good. Uh, and then the field was not as strong as what we might normally get um, because it wasn't pre cone It was still a reasonable sort of field, but it wasn't. You're just not looking down the list going. Far out, just about everybody's here. Next year's post-coner again? 
No, next year I'm pretty sure it'll be pre-Kona because it's in Finland, so I'm assuming it'll be pre-Kona. I'll find out. So, yeah, I'm almost positive it will be. So in terms of the results, the women's race, pretty much like last year, we had a dojo domination, but it was by a different person. Last year, Lucy Charles absolutely annihilated the field. This year, Taylor Nibb absolutely annihilated the field <laughs> on the bike. So she came out in contention um, in the swim. She was third out of the swim. And then she put, you know, six minutes into Paula Finlay. Paula Finlay was a Canadian cycling time trial champion. She is a weapon on the bike, as is Lucy Charles, um, as is Flora Duffy. And she just made them look stupid. Uh, really? And then she ran a 121, which was the sixth fastest run of the day. But she was so far in front. I'm sure she possibly could have run quicker. Uh, and to win a championship race by over five minutes is just nuts. Um, it was great to see Paula Finlay finish well. She's She's been you know, one of the form athletes this season, often really up and down. And then Emma Pallant-Brown got third. You didn't see her all day um, because she just ran through the field with the second fastest run split of a 117. Fastest run split of the day um, was Tamara Jewett with a 116.22, which is just mental. So you had... Um, Lucy Charles Barclay in fourth, obviously carrying a bit of Kona fatigue, so she didn't pull out the same performance that she did uh, last time around. And then my disappointment of the day was Flora Duffy. Um, I think, I don't know, I just can't figure out. If you yeah, if you yeah. said to me one single person from short course that's going to transition at least a half, you never know with full, it's like Flora Duffy's it. <laughs> and, why? So why? Uh, well, part of the reason was, for people that didn't watch this race, it was Arctic. Oh, really? Like, I was watching the pre-race, and you, when you see people wearing jackets and woolly hats and stuff for a summer event, you're going, I think it's going to be pretty cold there. Apparently, it was like two to five degrees um, at the start of the bike ride. Mm. So whether or not that was the reason, you know, she's had a couple of goes at halves now and, and hasn't done particularly well, but um, that may have been a contributing factor. So, yeah, coming off the bike, I mean, the race was over in terms of first, but I still thought, you know, she should be able to outrun all those um, women she's with based off her Olympic distance pedigree. I'm going to be fascinated to see how she turns this around uh, this weekend. She's going to be racing the ITU race and just see if she's back to normal at ITU distance, or not ITU, World Triathlon distance. Um, Yeah, I just expected more out of her. Holly Lawrence was sixth, uh, Jackie Herring seventh, Nikki Bartlett eighth, Tamara Jewett ninth, and Anne Reichman tenth. So, Good strong field, but not everybody there. You know, you haven't got Daniela Reith, you yeah. haven't got Anne Haug, um, you haven't got Laura Phillip, you haven't got Chelsea Sedaro. Any of so. the any of the um, ITU people or World Triathlete Triathlon Series athletes? Who no, because they're all away, um, either doing Super League or they're getting ready for Bermuda next weekend. So, so because sometimes we do get a few of them turn up. We do, don't we? Yeah. yeah, correct. Okay, so in the men's side of the race, so what what happened to um, Gustav Eden? Gustav Eden, he was... He, looked, he obviously fell out, I saw that bit. Yeah, that was a bit, that was a downer. Uh, he was out of contention on the bike um, and then pulled out on the run. So uh, coming off the bike, he was a number of minutes down, so never really in it. And what happened, totally understandable. What, what happened, well, you just, just rooted from Kona. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you just, you know, he probably had a lot more commitments and just uh, he didn't bounce back. A couple of others did. You know, Christian Blumenfeld bounced back. Um you still had in your mind, you know, when they, he was running with Canute on the run, Canute was basically sitting on the front and you're going, 
Blumenfeld's a significantly better runner than Canute, yep. but he might be carrying a bit of fatigue here, yeah. and he could crack at any stage. So there was that intrigue there. Um, if, if, if he hadn't had Cone on his legs, you're just going, he's sitting there, he's just waiting. Yeah. But there was that intrigue going, mm, I wonder what's going to happen here. And yeah, he just pulled away toward, towards the end, not at the very end, and um, won pretty So he's won everything now, isn't he? He has. Well, he hasn't won Kona, but he's won a world... Well, yeah, World yeah. Ironman Championship, yeah. uh, all in. So his, history, he'll go down as a champion. Yeah, absolutely. So he's won, he's won Ironman. He's won seventy point three. He's won the Olympic gold medal. Has he won mm. a World Triathlon Series? Uh, he, he's won the grand finale, which was in Lausanne. Oh, but I thought that didn't matter so much nowadays. Well, it doesn't. It's kind of like it's extra points. Yeah. But if there was a race, if you were to say That's it's race kind of the unofficial world champ okay. sort of thing. Um, but, but he hasn't I won a championship series. I don't think he's won the series. I'm pretty sure he hasn't. So that's pretty much the only thing he hasn't done in his career. Mm. So what anyway, a uh, and he's still young. Unsurprisingly, one of the Norwegians won it. Um, ben Canute, that was a bit of a surprise. He's had a pretty shitty season, and uh, he's been been on the podium before. But that was an outstanding performance by him. And Magnus Ditlev, you know, coming off Kona, he's got to be happy with third place. Um, good, good, strong day. He might have expected a little bit more on the run, um, but still pretty awesome. Um, and the one, people that didn't necessarily perform quite so well. Oh, so you had Mika Nude from Germany in fourth, uh, Frederick Funk in fifth, Mickey Tagholt sixth, Jackson Laundry seventh, Tor Madsen in eighth, Aaron Royal ninth, and Clement Mignon in tenth. So I guess the people that disappointed a little bit, Aaron Royal, you know, he did really, really well in some of those PTO races. Uh, got third in one of them. Um, so he was a little disappointing down ninth. But then the, the other big one was uh, Sam Long, who was you know definitely a contender for, for the win. And he was all the way down 19th place. Interestingly, he got a penalty on the bike, and I haven't seen it. Um, but what I got told last night was... He got a drafting penalty. He was passing someone, and then apparently somebody else was passing him. Now, again, I didn't see it, but mm. apparently that's what happened. And he's kind of screwed. You're in no man's land <laughs> because you, there's no way out. You're getting a penalty. You, you, there is no way out because the person who's passing you, you've kind of got to, you've got to let them go. And so I don't know. I'd like to hear the ru- official ruling on this because I would have thought – you can't ride three abreast. There's not enough room on the road. So I would have thought the person who is passing Sam Long is the one that's actually infringing. Could be wrong here because Sam Long, he, there's no out. And it's, if that was the case, there's no fault. There's nothing you can do. It's like, do you just let it go? Well, you've got to serve your penalty. No, but do you, do you, I mean, like, do you just, as an official kind of go, this is a funny situation, no one gets a penalty? I would have thought the rules would have been such that you couldn't have that, I'll just have to let it go because yeah. I don't, I don't think you're able to ride three abreast because there's not enough space on the road. In theory, got, yeah. Because of the, the size of the draft boxes. But so if, um, Brett Chan, you probably know more about this. You're a technical official if you're listening. Send us in on, on, on that sort of situation on what's going on. All in all, though, um, a bit like you, Bevan, I was a little bit underwhelmed. I was just like, yeah, 70.3 world champs. You know what? I wasn't underwhelmed. It's just that I got the results beforehand and I was like, uh, you mm. know, and yeah, no, I just didn't really commit to it. Now, next year's race is in late August. Yep, there we go. Yeah, so that is going to be... And it's in Europe, should have get a really stacked field. Yeah. Now, when's Collins Cup? It's normally early August, isn't it? 
That's a good question. Yeah. 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 So, well, I'll figure that out next time you're having a chat. So, uh, next up, we've got some the, the, the nominations for the Global Triathlon Awards, which is the event that we announced a few weeks ago, is going to be happening. Now, they've got the Global Triathlon Awards are free to enter and open to triathlon community globally. The shortlist of nominees will be published on the Global Triathlon Awards website and socials on the 24th of November, with the final winners re- revealed at a spectacular ceremony in Nice, France. Now, what I found really interesting about this is half them are products. <laughs> yeah. So here's the, here's the categories. You've got best swim product, best bike product, best run product, most outstanding nutrition product, best text product, and then you go into athlete. So then you've got male athlete, female athlete, rookie, outstanding contributor, lifetime contributor, lifetime triathlete. So of all the awards, you only actually have three athlete awards. I would have thought you'd have best short course athlete, yeah. best long course athlete, and yeah. pro- probably even best mid. mid yeah, now, I think you've got to you have three. you could have best overall. So you yeah. could have best in each of those areas, and then you have the overall athlete. Mm. Like, you know, like, okay, like swim product. Yeah. But I think the, there is that category now for best middle distance athlete. So you have yeah, world sure. triathlon, middle, long. Um, yeah, I, I agree. They should have best podcasts on there as well. Well, well, <laughs> well that could be a contributor maybe. But, yeah. you know, really, of all you one, two, four, you've got about 12 awards, three of them are for athletes. Yeah. That's odd, seem, isn't it? does seem a little bit odd. Yeah, anyway, oh, get yeah, amongst right. it. Global triathlon. Now, can Go- you vote? Yep. Can you vote for who you want on the shortlist? Do you actually get to vote? Is it a? It won't be a popularity contest, surely. I don't know. Maybe we should have researched that. Before I, don't like, I don't like it when it's a popularity contest because it's like just if someone's nice, they can mm. often win. You mm. want the best athletes to win these things. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think some of the categories need to be you maybe have the best product. Mm. You know, but because how, every year, how many, how often is a swim product that changes the game? Totally. You know, and run product, yeah. pair running shoes. <laughs> Although I watched well, it. That do- does change quite Have a you bit. seen that um, documentary on? Do you don't have Amazon Prime, do you? No. They've got a really good um, documentary on the Oregon, Oregon project oh, yeah. of uh, Alberto Sanzazar. Yeah. Fascinating, man. Like, he got, because you see how he got banned. Oh, yeah. Do you know, but you know much about it? No. So basically, well, I, 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 yeah. The basic story is, is he got banned, but none of his athletes have been done. So what's all that about? And it turns out he got banned because there's two reasons. One, he got his son to test a steroid cream, but his son was an athlete, mm. so to test, to test to see if you get done. Mm. And then there was another incident that was kind of similar, but it wasn't an athlete. It was like another mate who's a kind of... And it, it sounds like... Sounds, Salazar. 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 is basically, you do everything possible to, for success. You mm. know, this guy's just... He was a beast of an athlete, the world record mm. back in his day. Um, and he's like... And you go right to the edge. Yeah. You know, so he's testing the cream to see if would people get over the top. Mm. And... But it's a really good doco. So if you've got Amazon Prime, it's something about Nike, the Nike problem or something like that. Mm. Really interesting documentary, really fascinating stuff. Okay, um, we had really sad news. Yeah, Shane Reid passed away at the weekend, only at the age of 49. So he was a... What did he die? Was it? Uh, brain tumour, brain oh, cancer. Yeah, so it was the writing was on the wall a little while ago. Um, but yeah, very sad. Only yeah, he 40, did the Olympics, didn't he? He did. So he raced for... Uh, he initially started his career racing for Australia. Um, he moved to New Zealand, started racing for New Zealand. And he was one of those athletes that was always there or thereabouts. But he was also one of those athletes that you never heard from, you know, like if, if, if he, he was sort of a little bit before the, the era of social media. Yeah. He's one of those guys, he wouldn't probably have, even have a Facebook or, okay. or a, an account. No, no flashy, no sponsors or anything like that. Yeah. But he was always there or thereabouts, won some big races, made the New Zealand Olympic team. I, I think he was actually, I think he might have led 
in Beijing, maybe out of the swim, I think he did. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, won a number of races. Uh, he won a duathlon? Did he win a duathlon? He won Aquathon World Aquathon, Champs yep. um, quite a few times, won some World Cups, and that was back when World Cups were World Series races. Um, so he was he was a quality athlete, consistently in the top 10, um, and just yeah, called Snuff, the Snuffy was his, his nickname. Um, I never really met him. I think I might have met him once or twice, um, but did, certainly wouldn't consider that I know him. 112 starts in, in terms of ITU distance or world triathlon distance, uh, 20 podiums and nine wins. So, yeah, very sad. And he, but almost uh, surpassing what he did as an athlete, he was instrumental with his wife Tammy in terms of setting up uh, a triathlon academy in a place called Manawatu in New Zealand, New Plymouth, um, not New Plymouth, in Palmerston North. And they've got a really good system there, producing a lot of good ath- you, you know, junior athletes coming well, and through. The Mountain Snow was sent through an email just saying he was absolute champion of local stuff. Mm. You know, like really good at getting kids, supporting kids. Like, you know, the people we need in the, in the community doing the yards. Mm. Sounds like he was a legend of that yeah. stuff. So big loss to the triathlon world, yeah. isn't it? And World Triathlon did a really good little um, montage on their site just of uh, some of his career highlights. So very sad. Um, and for all those people that knew Shane, hearts go out to you guys. Yeah, and um, yeah. We, 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 we well missed and well, big loss to the to triathlon world. Coming up, we've got Ironman Lan Cowie. And it's the first one that's been happening since the pandemic and we've yeah. also got Ironman Florida now are these age group only? I think so yep and last weekend a bit of short course update we had Super League Neom um, it was the finale of the series unsurprisingly Hayden Wilde just had to finish the race basically to win the series he had to get 15th the top 15 didn't he yeah, yeah. and then George Taylor Brown um, it was a battle between her was he and trying Taylor that hard because he, he only got third was he... I only watched the highlights um, he yeah I, I imagine he would have been trying pretty hard. You right. don't really go to races and not try hard. Yeah, uh, but you know he's racing. He's raced a lot this year. Yeah, uh, so he ended up finishing in third place, as expected. I was I was a bit concerned about what this race was going to look like on TV. And uh, a they were riding on a bloody shingle road for part of the oh, bike the ride, desert, didn't it? And it was in the middle of nowhere. There was no crowds, as expected. Uh, so there was no atmosphere and I only watched the highlights. But I think the bike and the run was just in, like an out and back. So it was. It was a bit of a money grab, right or wrong. People can have their opinions on that, but it certainly was not as good a spectacle as any of the other Super League races. Um, but nonetheless, that's the the season done and dusted for for Super League and big paydays for those guys that are winning. You know, they're they taking home do? a lot of money because Super League's the most entertaining watch for the sport. Mm. They do it's a really good package. Mm. What can they do? Can they do anything to get a better field? Uh, it's just too much racing on. Yeah, the money's money's pretty good. Um, the athletes enjoy it, but you've kind of got to pick and choose a bit. You know, Hayden Wild hasn't been able to do all the World Triathlon Series races because he's doing Super League. Alex G's only done one because he's focusing more on World Triathlon. Others have done a bit of a mixture, but it's it's a bit too much to expect to do exceptionally well at both. I think Hayden Wild has done a really masterclass in terms of he dominated the first few World Triathlon Series, got his points up doesn't actually have to do any more until the last race. Um, and so he's kind of got the best of both worlds. I wonder if they're paying him an appearance fee. Because well, he's making good money. He's made much of 180k, wasn't 185,000 US, I think. Was that the bonus? Some, something like that. Was it like the total bonus? Or was that that was total. Oh, there it is. Yeah. So by doing all the races, he made 100, yeah, 180k. So awesome. Um, especially US dollars, because it's doing really well right now. Yeah. Um, but secondly, um, I wonder if they're paying like him an appearance fee. I don't know. Possibly. I wouldn't be surprised if they are, mm. you know, because they need they need at least one rock star at every race. Mm. 
you know, so I get interesting stuff. Uh, anything th- else? This weekend, we've got the World Triathlon Series in Bermuda. So from the 70.3 at the weekend, the Norwegians are doubling up, as is Taylor Nib and Flora Duffy. So it'll be really interesting to see how they back up. Um, Alex Yee is on the boys' side, so I'd imagine he's possibly going to dominate unless people get away on the bike. Um, Hayden Wild, I don't believe, is going to be there. And the women's race, um, yeah, women's race could be really interesting because you've got Flora Duffy and Taylor Nib, who you'd say they might crush it. But they've raced a 70.3 and there's no George Taylor-Brown. So the women's race could be um, really interesting. And then we have the grand finale a few weeks later in Abu Dhabi. Here's a question for you. As a coach, Blumenfeld, the Kona, what, three weeks ago? Yep. 70.3, doing this one. How do you train? Uh, I'd probably, if I take it at a slightly different question, not to, I'm not going to answer your question, is what's the longevity of his career with the amount that he's done this yeah, year? Yeah. I'm just thinking... Would you prefer to have a few years of amazing glory or a slightly longer career but where do things you think might be spread out? out? Yeah, I, like it does seem like there's a cost eventually, doesn't it? It's got to be. You can't, you know, um, you don't, I don't think you can keep sustaining that sort of... Especially because it goes from short, you know, like yeah. doing Ironman and then turning up and doing it like oh, I don't think he'll get, who do, I don't think he'll do very well at all at the, the, the World Triathlon Series race. I think he'll get smoked if everyone's uh, firing up. Yeah, but but how would you train through like this month? We need to go and ask the Norwegians. I've got no idea what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> but they it sounds like they do um, a lot of endurance, and then their quality is high quality. So, so they don't, don't do training. a huge amount in the middle there. Yeah, so it's kind of the polarized theory. Okay, interesting stuff. Okay, this week's discussion. We've got a lot of comments on this. Is does having the two day format in Kona make it easier to qualify, devalue, or does it devalue? Uh, which made it easier to qualify to value those who have done it in the past. So basically, I turned up to Kona. I had to qualify hard because not many people race or not many, many slots. So you guys get it easy nowadays. Mm. Nicky, Nicky Davis says it certainly does. Alan um, but, uh, Budgens is all about the dollars. And Martin Carson says, does having a two-day format in Kona make it easier? To, uh, a lot of people are going on about the rip-offs. Um, that wasn't really what the question. The well, it's just the cost. It's just people are just looking at it going, Iron Man are just going more money. That's not really the question. But are they? Uh, I suppose, yeah. Oh, I suppose they make twice the field, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rob has got, it's still, it's hard to qualify as ever for Kiwis. Don't seem to be fair number of spots thrown our way relative to the amount of other countries. Uh, and there's a bit of discussion that went on after that. Um, Matthew Mulhaka says, no, the number of races and finishes has steadily gone up, while as far as I know, the number of qualifiers has stayed the same in the past. Uh, Nick Rowe's got two questions there really devalue the for previous times no how how can it it's gone and they've qualified but going forward yes it's easier but only marginally for men due to the slots significantly for women as an example last year there were around 100 female athletes at Ironman UK there are now 50 slots especially for females great moves forward and potential due to the cost of a race and slot there will be people towards the back of those age groups who will qualify on the roll down a good um uh, it could be down to luck rather than ability. For some in the women's field, the spread of spots will mean that they will have to be pretty quick to get an allocated slots, and that's how it should be. The fastest athlete should go. Hopefully, it means that the super fast athletes can come second in, in the past when they would, or they'll still get their chance. Julian Swartz says, don't think so. With slots spread across so many more races and more athletes entering the sport, more than a few who are amateur professionals, getting a slot seems to only be getting more competitive these days. Maybe it will be 
easier for the ladies with the extra women for try slots, but still damn hard and frankly long overdue to help bring parity to the sport. Ian Banks got sounds like a good analysis for the, the for the geek Thorsten Rand. Based on the number of Ironman races worldwide versus number of Kona slots, how has qualification changed in terms of percentage of races getting qualifying slots? My guess is that the percentage of overall Ironman races qualifying has declined, which can be deemed as making it harder to qualify. Last one I'll do, Mark Haywood. Yep, certainly devalues the race. It was way harder before the recent changes. Ironman need more people there, and they seem to be offering bonus spots to certain groups. Recently was at a 70.3 race, and they couldn't give away the spots for the 70.3 Worlds. Yeah, Gareth Holbrook, who's going to be on the show in a few seconds, got, um, oh, he's actually, in his name, he's got Ironman. He's got, yeah, he's got a couple of accounts. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Oh, that's what he does, is it? Okay, top 5% of athletes 20 years ago is fewer than the same proportion today. Number of races worldwide has grown significantly and around 96,000 people now race per year. 10 years ago, the lottery system and TV chiefs racing, last two years that didn't happen, so there was a backlog. Even before the pandemic, there was a huge backlog of legacy athletes like me who were on wait list. Part of the rationale of the two-day event is to separate gender and therefore a balancing of male and female numbers which has increased overall speaking as a male between the age of 50 to 54 I see qualification outright still out of reach I'm going to make the claim that qualifying times have reduced over the last 10 years although I don't have any data to back this up and that would be good Gareth makes a great point there it would be nice to see some data going forward on this um, we've got to go off and do an interview so we'll come back and give our thoughts okay, on let's, it let's uh, pause we're going to be back in one second Okay, John, we've, we've, we paused. I don't know exactly where we paused, but we're talking about the discussion of the week. Your thoughts on, has it devalued or is it easier to qualify for Kona nowadays now that we have the two-day option? Well, I think if we take this two, in a couple of steps, is it going to be easier to qualify for women? It's going to be significantly easier to qualify because there's more just slots. a shitload yeah. more slots. For the boys, is it going to be easier to qualify? Was it, that, a just go back bit. to that. In the past, was it easier or harder for females to qualify? Than the guys, yeah. Oh, it was harder. Yeah, there's hardly yeah. any slots. You know, if you got one rock star, you kind of screwed. Yeah, or two, two. You know, um, so I think for females, it's definitely going to be easy. You can't, can't. I don't think you can really argue that. Um, there's going to be quite a lot of slots on the boys' side. A lot of people said their arguments were, yeah, there might be a few more slots, but it's kind of there's more races and it's getting harder, sort of year on year. So I think that's going to be a bit unknown. So whether it's easier or not, I think for the boys is, is it, debatable. Does it devalue it for the females? Well, that, that like was, if, that if was the question. Like 70.3, that, that's the, the question we're trying to answer here. Well, see, uh, I think I think if it turns out like seven point three, where literally it's people are saying, "Can someone take the slot?" You know, mm. like it's, if it gets like that, it does. Mm. You know, whereas Kona still has that value, mm-hmm. the, the prestige. Whereas for some reason, the seven point three champs doesn't seem to have that. No, you know, whereas. I imagine if you turn up most Ironman races, most slots are still going to be going to be picked up by the people who are close to the front of the field. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, so. so does it do, for me? Does it devalue? You know, I've had to race and qualify for Kona, and for you, you and I, yes, yeah, so it's to get, relatively yeah, straightforward to, to qualify, but just because of our levels. So. Yeah qualifying wasn't such a big thing but if you're one of those athletes it's right on the edge you know you always say somewhere between five and ten and you just got to scrape in you're like woohoo it's qualifying for us it was like qualify the goal is Kona I've got to qualify to to get there and just sort of tick that box so for those people that have really fought to get there I would kind of think there is a slight devaluing in it it's not devastating do you think they care about sorry do you think they care uh, once you've got there, you probably probably don't. But then, 
if you'd had to work for five, ten years to get there and you're scraped in and say you'd done a, a nine hour 45 to get there and then you look turn around next year and somebody's doing like 11 hours and they're qualifying going, I had to work a bit harder than that <laughs> to get there. That's a question I have. Because, you know, back in the day, because I'm not an athlete nowadays, or at least a triathlete nowadays, and, you know, you you kind of the conversation you have with people is, you know, you'd say, oh, I do try, I do I, man. And you know, the next question you get is, have you done why? Mm. Does that still happen? You know what I mean? Like, and maybe it's a quick, maybe we could use that as a discussion of the week. For those people who do Ironman, which is this audience, when you tell people who don't know this world, who mm. aren't involved in triathlon, when you tell them you do Ironman, do you get that question of, do you do, have you done Hawaii? Because mm. back in the day when I was doing it, that you literally, that was the first question you got, mm. was, oh, I do Ironman, oh, have you done Hawaii? And, you know, the public knowledge of Hawaii, has it decreased over time? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, I don't think so. But I think if we get back to the question, does this... Does what the changes to the two-day format devalue qualifying? Um, I'd get over it pretty quickly if I if yeah. I was someone qualified. But what my worry is going forward. Is okay, but here, okay, here's the situation: you're at a party, mm. and you know, talking about Hawaii. Someone says, "Have you done Hawaii?" And you go, "Yep, yep." And you'd qualified at nine hours, mm-hmm. and the guy next to you qualifies same age group, qualifies mm. at ten and a half. Mm. You feel a bit ripped off. Yeah, I'll say, mate, I did nine. No, <laughs> yeah. no. Uh, for me personally, it wouldn't really bother me. But I totally understand the people that have worked really, really hard. And if this, this qualifying does get significantly easier, I can understand that frustration. A little bit similar to you know, say going doing a scraping under nine hours for 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 a race, and you did it legit. You did it non drafting. Yep. It was accurate. And then you see people going, you know, eight hours forty-five, and just sitting in a pack and going around and doing it. He's like, "Well, you didn't. You kind of same yeah. sort of thing." It's like, "Well, I'd worked really, really hard for that, and you kind of sat in." So I, I kind of seen both sides of the story. I think a big part of this for me is going to be, and this is getting away from the question a little bit. Does that roll down start to happen a lot more? Mainly because of the cost of going over there, and a lot of people did put that those comments down. So for me, someone who's been to Kona a couple of times, and you have talked about going back. I've talked about going back at the moment. It ain't happening. You know, it's purely so because expensive. of cost. Purely because of cost. What do you think it's going to cost you now? Oh, you're not getting any change out of ten grand. I don't reckon. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Um, it's a big investment. Yeah, and for first timers, you'll find a way. Yeah, you, know, you you'll fundraise. You if you if you qualified and you've been working for it, you'll find a way. But if you've been a few times, it's like, do I really want to go back? And if that starts happening, then we're going to see more roll downs, and then it's going to trickle down, and uh, and hopefully that doesn't happen, and we don't get that devaluing the slot. Time will tell, and statistics will tell as well. So we'll I see what for, happens. For me, it doesn't bother me at all. Mm. You know, sure, maybe I, I don't know. I, I kind of think the more, more as Gareth was saying, you know, the volume of athletes in the field is much higher now. We have mm. ninety six thousand people racing the races a year when I was doing it, which is about fifteen, nearly twenty years ago now. Mm. You know, like, jeez, um, it's amazing when you think of it like that. Um, you know, there wasn't ninety six thousand people doing Ironman in a year. So mm. you know, so but I, I had my journey. I had to do what I had to get there. I got there based on the conditions. So be it. And it's still going to be hard to qualify. Yeah, totally. Um, and hopefully it stays that way. And it's still going to be plenty of people who will never get there. Mm. Well, other than legacy, you know, there's still mm. going to be plenty of people who want to go to Hawaii and won't be able to get there. So um, maybe, and that's the only the only caveat to that is the females. Mm-hmm. Is it, is will we really fascinated to watch as we move through the next twelve months? Will we hear the stories of it literally like seventy point three people would like mm. they aren't taking the slots? Yeah, there's five slots in an age group, and there's only. 30 competitors yeah. or something like that. And it rolls down to the 30th mm. person gets a slot. Or something. That, that, that's the only difference. But mm. but 
getting more females involved in Kona. Great thing. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, uh, John's quiz question. Are we going to do a discussion this week or not? Oh, this week's discussion is yeah. what gadget or piece of technology have you purchased in the last couple of years that has made a real difference to your performance? Because we're going to give them the awards at the awards ceremony. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so what gadget or piece of technology has made a significant difference to your training or your performance in the last couple of years? Okay, John's quiz question. Okay, uh, we had the 70.3 World Champs at the weekend. Um, who won the first half Ironman or 70.3 World Champs? Female and male? Yeah, give it a crack. I don't, I don't know when it was, and I don't know, really know the answer, but I'll have a think when we get to there. We were doing a show. Sorry? We were doing a show. Yeah, oh yeah, no, it was definitely, it I, I reckon it would be like, two. I'm going to guess about 208, 209, yeah, same, something like same, that. Yep. Yeah. Okay, let's go into our interviews. So we've got some Epic Camp interviews. Uh, who we got, Jombo? Yeah, we'll do a quick overview of the, the few days of the camp. We spoke last week and we'd finished day four which some athletes are going to reference that as being the incredibly windy day we'd ridden into the wind for over 100 kilometres and it was uphill I think my average speed was 21 kilometres per hour it was horrendous um, the next day we were at a place called St Arnold and it was our big run day you'll hear Hamish Wall later on talk about that um, about five or six of us did the full lap of the lake which took um, sort of three to three and a half hours as you'll hear Hamish tacked on and made that even longer we also did a bike that day and then we tried to uh we did a bit of cold water immersion in lake uh <laughs> lake rosawiti more than 15 seconds well no most people were that were about that i put my wetsuit on and swam to the pontoon and back which at a push would have been 100 meters it was like get those arms turning as quick as oh, possible really? you just keep the face in the water but it, well, i reckon it was probably about 10 degrees 10, 10 or 11 degrees it was mm. arctic uh, but it was a big run day and then the next day was one of our biggest bike rides we biked from a place called St Arnold to uh, Takaka and uh, started a bit fresh we had a bit, it was a bit downhill and then we had to tackle the Takaka hill climb which was uh, it's 14 k's long 10 kilometres of it at about 8 to 9 percent and then it rolls a bit over the top and we had a, a race up there who could hit the highest percentage of FTP oh nice People put in some some really noteworthy efforts, uh, and yeah, I think I went up, finished the first main segment at two hundred and seventy five watts, I think, which is um, yeah, that's a that's a pretty honest effort by me, sort of uh, probably about eighty eighty five to eighty eight percent of um, FTP. Uh, then the next day we did a ride from Takaka to the end of the South Island, um, sort of to Farewell Spit. It was 40k, about 45k's out, 45k's back. And on the outbound one, you had to try to guess your power. So you were trying to ride Ironman power, but you weren't allowed to look at it. You had to just flick your bike computer off or flick it over to a screen so you couldn't see your power. And um, yeah, again, a lot of people got very close. I got within three watts of mine. I predicted 215 watts and did two, 212. Nice. Did a beautiful run up there from um, a place called Port Puponga through to Farariki Beach. And then um, we also had a swim that day at Tata Beach, which was lovely. And then one of the real highlights to me of the camp was day eight, we drove to a place called Totoranui, which is uh, in the Able Tasman National Park. Did uh, It's almost the best run I've ever done in my life. Um, oh, it's paradise. It's one of my favourite places in the world. Well, this uh, I've, I've done a lot of the Able Tasman many times, but this is a stretch, and you're going to hear this from a couple of people later on. It's a stretch of track that people don't, do normally okay. because there's no there's no sort of boat access and so most people do the Able Tasman they go from Totoranui through to Mauriha um, and then there's actually a stretch of track at the end of that it's about what was it 
<laughs> we went the wrong way. I got to an intersection and we were all standing there. I said, let's go this way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is the way. <laughs> and about 15 minutes later, we had to do this big hill climb. 15 minutes later, I'd been waiting for a couple of people behind me. The others are running back the other way. Wrong way. Oh, uh, it turned out to be about a two and a half hour run. Absolutely beautiful. So it's from Totoranui to Wainui Bay. For Kiwis that have done the Able Tasman, haven't done that stretch, as I said, it's right up there in the top three runs I've ever done in my oh, life. Wow. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, and How it was a nice it? day. Uh, I think I think it was probably about 15, 16Ks. Okay. Um, quite up and down, big wide highway of a track. It's one of our great walks. Really smooth, all runnable, but very up and down. And you run along some beaches. Outstanding. Uh, and then we biked from Takaka over to Motueka. And we had to go back over the Takaka hill climb. By this stage, it was pissing down with rain and we got the old rain in the eyes the daggers in your mm. eyes coming down the other side descending you know a, a sort of 14k descent on a tt bike with you know most people's brakes aren't that great on tt bikes into the rain was pretty horrendous thankfully at the bottom the sun was shining and uh and we warmed up a bit and then the final day we did the kaiteriteri international triathlon and again <laughs> uh we arrived and it was Pursing down when we started, like full on noise, uh, rain, and then the sea was rough as guts. You couldn't see the swim boys. Um, but thankfully, it wasn't that cold. Uh, it was uphill, big uphill trail run to finish. Um, cool way to finish the camp. You always remember those days where the weather's epic, um, and we certainly finished in an epic way. So that was the camp. So yeah, we've got a few interviews coming up. First up's Gareth, Gareth Holbrook. Or well, let's bang them. All. We're going to do Gareth, Tim, Hamish. And Rebecca. What are their names? So we've got uh, Gareth Holbrook. He's based up north of Auckland near Whangarei. Uh, Tim Doyle is based in Cambridge, which is sort of central or sort of upper central North Island. Uh, Hamish Wall is from Christchurch. And Rebecca Spears is from Tauranga. Okay, here are all the Epic Hip interviews. <coughs> right, guys. We saw at 70.3 at the weekend, we saw some athletes recovering from Ironman really well. Uh, obviously, Christian Blumenfeld smoked it. Some didn't recover quite so well. You know, Gustav Eden had a DNF and some of the other Ironman athletes um, it looked like they had a little bit of a tough day. But we've t- our first guest today is one of our Epic campers who also did Ironman Hawaii. And initially, uh, well, no, he can tell us about the recovery from that. And then he did Epic Camp last week. So he was on the show maybe two or three weeks ago. Gareth Holbrook, welcome back, Mr. Regular Contributor. Good morning, uh, both of you. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. So, Gareth, we, we spoke to you, I think, probably straight after Ironman. Um, yeah. What was what was the process like for you in terms of recovery and getting back to, to normal life? It was a bit of a challenge. It, yeah, it was. Um, biomechanically, I was fine. I had a little bit of late onset muscle soreness. Not much, not less than usual. And I think that's because I'd really trained well for the for the for the event. Um, but the strangest thing is, I couldn't stop sleeping. Um, so I, I really you intended couldn't stop to, sleeping. So you slept a lot. I slept a lot. Yeah. So I was yeah. putting in eight or 10 hours every night. And then during the day, if I did a half hour jog, uh, just a, an easy run, I would go back home and I'd be sleeping for four hours straight afterwards. I felt really lackluster. I went to work and, um, and I, I was consulting there, but I had a loads of brain fog. And I've, I've had that before after many Ironmans, I, I don't feel on top of the game for the first few weeks. Um, but you know, I had no joint or muscle issues, but I was just metabolically very flat. Yeah. 
Um, remind us, you know, in terms of going into the camp, um, so people get a, a perception of your sort of ability. So tell us, you know, a what you do for a for a job, and also sort of your your sort of times, so people can get a grasp of um, oh, yeah. what speed you have. <clears throat> yeah. So generally, most of my Ironman finishes are in and around eleven and a half, eleven forty, and I think my best is just under eleven hours. Um, so I'm mid, mid middle of the field. And but one thing I'm I'm not insanely fast, but I am very proud in that I'm able to bounce back. So I've done many Ironman races and a week later managed to back it up with a 70.3. So that was Bustleton, then Ironman 70.3 New Zealand. And I did the Kiwi Man once, which was uh, an X try on a Friday, then a Saturday. So I, I think I'm maybe an outlier in terms of how I can recover. Going into the camp, you know, you had just done Hawaii a few weeks beforehand. So going into the camp, and you have done these camps before, so you know what you're facing going into it. So kind of what was the plan and the objective of doing the Epic Camp? So um, really, uh, every Ironman I've done um, today, I've always been thinking during that race what my next race will be like. Um, I've heard actually Alistair Brownlee sometimes say that, you know, when you win the World Champs, that's it, and it's a little bit flat. But I'm always looking beyond that that challenge. And so for Ironman Hawaii, even though that was a World Champs, I was already looking forward to Ironman New Zealand, the full in, in December. And I thought, if I'm going to be fit for Kona, then I'll take a few weeks off, do that this epic camp, then I'm going to be really fit for Ironman New Zealand, which is only six weeks away now. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into it, um, I, I thought there's going to be a risk, and I thought I'm going to be flat. And I know from experience on camps that I really struggle to keep up with the faster groups. And I'm not the best hill climber, so I always struggle to keep keep up with people on the hills as well. So if you remember, John, I was sandbagging even on day one, yep. saying, don't worry about me on the hills, you'll drop me, don't worry about that. Um, because I was expecting for the whole week for me just to be by myself, and I was just going to be in TT position going up my pace. Um, but ultimately that didn't happen, and I, I surprised myself, even on day one, that I seemed to have quite a lot of energy Um which is testament, I guess, to the training before Kona. And, uh, yeah, took the KOM jersey on day one by spanking it up a climb over towards the Aniseed Valley. So, well, I guess um, you've done camps before. What have you learned that you, you know, in the past, what going into this camp, what not to do? And um, what did you have in your mind going, I need to focus on this and, and hopefully people might be able to take this into their own little mini training blocks? So, I guess, yeah, what did you learn from previous camps and, and what did you really want to make sure you nailed on this one? So I've done I've done John's Epic Camp uh, a few times. I've done the Five Passes Tour, I think, five times in um, uh, in the South Island. Um, I generally personally find that the first day is often the hardest day. And as, as I get into the rhythm of the camp, I, I get better and better during the camp. So the last day, I start to feel a bit more sprightly. Um, but for these longer camps, um, I worry about getting tired towards the end. Um, and I think for the first time in this Epic Camp, that actually happened. So I think I had a crescendo on day six uh, when we did that takaka hill yeah and yeah everyone was like 90 85 ftp climbing the hill and i hit 111 <laughs> maybe you need to do that test again yeah. um, but then after that i felt you know the last two days i was just hanging on um so but that's part of the training right that's part of the journey that's part of the experience so uh for me i i don't mind if i fade out but a lot of people it's i know in previous epic camps some people have overcooked themselves in the last few days have really really struggled and picked up injuries and that so on on, on different camps as well 
Yeah. Um, well, so well, I think the advice is st start gently uh, and know to build up. And what were the highlights and kind of the, the most hardest parts of the camp for you? Um, I think, yeah, the hardest part was the, the last day. So the, um, the, that, that triathlon on the last day, I really was struggling to hang on. And I think the day before going back up Takaka Hill, um, the, the two days before, the first time I went up the hill, I'd actually spent the 100K before that uh, basically using it as a TT at 70.3 pace. And I towed the bunch all the way through. And I felt great. I mean, it's partly downhill and it's flat, and I think we had a tailwind, but I, yeah. I felt great. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, yeah. But then, then the, the so the highlight was that day, uh, and then the, the next two days was a highlight in terms of my adaptive response. I, I think mm -hmm. that the, the money was made in the last two days in terms of training. Yeah. So, for people get to give some context to the Tucker Hill climb we're talking about. On one side, it's it's about 10 k's long, and then it does have another 4 k's sort of rolls across the top, and then coming back up the other side, it's 9 k's, and it's um yeah pretty pretty steady gradient, sort of probably eight to 10 percent all the way up. Um yeah, it's a fair old fair old climbs, and uh, yeah, on the last day we got absolutely decimated by rain but it was all good fun um you know nice and warm so well not nice and warm but warmish so it's all good gareth um, one other question i had for you you like to be on the, the sort of cutting edge of technology and things like that you you got the aura ring um you're always trying a little different bits and pieces of nutrition you had your compression boots you had um on all the time and you're always looking for for different approaches to training so have you found anything in the last couple of years that has actually been you know really effective for you either in terms of recovery or performance yeah um and you mentioned it already it's the aura ring i've um for the last three years really been uh focusing and monitoring on my sleep um now you can get too hung up on the day so sometimes you have a bad night's sleep and that it is what it is um but what what it means is it i hold myself to account on on the micro habits and the practices like getting sunlight first thing in the morning uh withholding caffeine after 10 a.m and all of the other things you can do, you know, blue light, um, blue blocking uh, glasses I wear in the evening if I'm on the on the screen, um, because I think um, and I think Matt Dixon mentioned this, a, a book I read he was referred to in this is that sleep is is the difference um, that most top triathletes uh, find uh, can affect their performance, mm. uh, and it affects me from a cognitive perspective as well. So I'm not really a high achieving top end triathlete. Um, but in my day job as a management consultant, I have to think on my feet. I'm always presenting and and coaching people. So uh, I want to be sharp as a tack. And, and you can only do that if you sleep well, I believe. Mm. Nice. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, it's going to be awesome to see how you go on Ironman New Zealand. You've got some really nice fitness building. Just, got just with the aura ring, how often do you have to charge it? Um, it's funny you should say that. It's every three or four days. I, I, I got up this morning. Uh, I was... I was working at four and I just checked and it only had a bit of charge left and I threw it on the charging cradle. I'm in a hotel at the moment yeah, and it's only fully charged for the day. Okay. Uh, so it's every three or four days. Sometimes I get caught out and suddenly it says battery was flat last night, like once a month that happens. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I know you done you did exceptionally well on camp. You certainly um gave it some some good welly on on the the climbs and did a good bit of work on the front there. So uh yeah, good to see you and well done on the camp and looking forward to seeing you crushing it in, in Ironman New Zealand. And if you go on fire, maybe we can have you back a third time in one year. <laughs> so, yeah. got a record. <laughs> awesome. Thank Thanks you, for your John. time, Gareth. Thank you, Bevan. Cheers. Thanks, mate.
Okay, on the camp, we've always got one strong, super strong athlete. Uh, sometimes I end up being the strongest, but certainly did not on this camp. Tim Doyle was a uh, big, tim- big timber at the, at the front of the pack um, and pulled us along for many a mile and made our average speed go up significantly, nice. which was greatly appreciated. So, Tim, welcome along to the show. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Tell, tell us a bit about your background and also your your stats in terms of your your stature. So maybe your your sort of athletic background um, and and your size. Uh, so I, I grew up mostly swimming, competitive swimming at an age group level. Um, went to a couple of opens, um, but was sort of mid pack, making semifinals, finals, but never sort of in the in the middle hunt on the swimming front. Um, but I am six foot four, um, about 90 kgs at the moment, have been as high as sort of 115, 116 oh, well. playing, <laughs> playing rugby back about 10 years ago now um, when I first moved up to Hamilton. Can, yeah, I, ask, so. can I ask, can I ask, you know, because that's quite, that's 25 kg. So what's it like? Because I've always been the same weight, you know. I've never really kind of gone through that transformation. And obviously, when you're playing rugby, there was a need for the more weight. But what's it like? Do you notice the difference? Um, I don't notice the difference now. But when I was that bigger, I just noticed like putting on your socks and shoes was hard, or yeah. washing your back in the shower, or yeah. trying to fit find clothes that fit you was was pretty hard. But at the same time, like you could go and smash the hell out of people yeah. on the rugby field and. <laughs> You're a big unit and, and being 10 years younger, you know, you looked good, you were in shape. Uh, it was mostly muscle and, mm. and yeah, it felt good at the time. But knowing what I know now and how I feel now, I yeah, wouldn't change a thing now. <laughs> and tell us a bit about your triathlon experience to date. You, you're still pretty pretty new to the game. So, so tell us about what your journey's been like. Um, so I first did Ironman in 2017, um, had a pretty bad race there I didn't think I executed it that well I think I went 1140 um, ended up walking walk run the marathon on on 440 for just the marathon alone so there was a bit of unfinished business there and, and then um, sort of got back in late 2019 early 2020 um, and finally got a, things like a TT bike and, and started to take it a bit more seriously um, did Ironman 2021 um, and, and came back and did that much better and, and now sort of trying to push on for one more crack at a, a decent Ironman time and um, see what happens in December. And, and I know your, your last Ironman you did, you know, you certainly improved a lot. Um, you've got a coach now, David Bowden, who's, who's been on the show um, a few times, sort of talking tech and stuff. You're both from, from Cambridge up in the North Island. What, um, how, how's training changed since you, since you got him on board? Uh, it's a lot more. So, so I'm an accountant by my day job, and I'm quite analytical, and so is so is David. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a really good match there, um, or really good fit. And training's changed, been a lot more structured, um, which I enjoy. It works really well for me, uh, and a lot more bike focused. Um, some of the bike sessions um, would be consecutive days during the week on Zwift. Um, you'd sort of start looking at these sessions going, Jesus, how on earth am I going to finish that? But And then back it up on the next day as well. But it tends to sort of get through them and it sort of tends to, um, in some ways, he kind of knows what will happen before it happens. So there's a lot of trust and a lot of process involved in, in, in working with him and definitely a lot more cycling. Um, swimming's kind of left, left to myself, which I'm okay with. And, and we're just sort of starting to build up the, the run a bit now. 
um, in the lead up to Ironman. So a, a lot more bike volume. Um, I think in the build up to 21, I was averaging maybe 200, 220k a week. Um, and now that's probably a, a third more or, or sort of half more on top of that. What, um, what was appealing about Epic Camp? Why did you, why did you want to kind of do it? Uh, so I first heard about it back in 2016 or 2017 when I was training for my first Ironman. I thought, oh, shit, that would be pretty cool to do one day. And then after Ironman in 2021, I thought, oh, that would be really cool to, to get me going through the winter, um, something to build on and, and build a solid base for the next season. But, of course, we had COVID lockdown, so couldn't make that. Um, so this year it was more about doing it as the experience but also after being sick for about six weeks earlier this year with COVID and another virus and then having three months off in, in Europe for a holiday back in August it was it's really been a, a quite a, a significant sort of build up to, to December um, so that, those were kind of the reasons why and how it fitted into the program. You, you had a, a plan for the camp sort of talk us through through your plan um, in terms of your, your approach. Um, it was really about not going overboard on the runs or not going too hard on the runs. Uh, they tend to take it a little bit more out of me in terms of recovery and being unable to back them up and also increasing the risk of injury when the run volume hasn't been that high. So the trail runs really helped there because th- there was a lot of run walking. Um, but apart from that, I was actually a, a little bit still ill on the Friday and Saturday and um, I d- thought I'd sort of recovered. I, I was up spewing on the week before and, and dropped sort of two or three kgs and couldn't put that back on um, just with a 24-hour stomach bug. So the first few days didn't actually go that well, but then sort of came right Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we were just sort of fatigued and tired. Um, but so so that, that was sort of the plan was just to, to, to hit sort of reasonably good numbers on the bike, take the runs easy, but get them done um, and just get some time in the open water as well, which I hadn't had before since probably a year ago now. Uh, you, had, you were very sensible on, on the first day we had a had an accident <laughs> and I'm thinking, I, I thought I was thinking there's no way I'm going to catch him. I was last to start and uh, yeah, you took it nice and conservatively, but by day nine, absolutely pulled out a can of ass <laughs> and uh, smoked me on the run. Um, in, in I was running of, scared. <laughs> yeah, it was a forest run, so we had sort of an out and back and I think I was three minutes down behind Tim off the bike and I'm thinking if I run hard, I might be able to catch him if he doesn't run hard. But if he runs hard, probably haven't got much of a chance. Didn't see him all day. No. Well, I saw him at the time. <laughs> that, that was about it. Um, in terms of you, for you, the, the some of the highlights. You know, what was uh, some of the the things you really enjoyed about the camp? Um, I finally started to feel good on the bike on that Monday when we went up the the uphill slog to St Arne in the headwind just with Dean after that um, mm. time trial. That that it was a hard sort of windy kind of day but at least we were sort of feeling good and in sessions like that you tend to remember just because of how I guess difficult in the environments that they are um, you sort of felt like you build, build and bank a few mental points there as well um, the other highlight was getting in I got a 200k ride and, and a 10k run off the bike um, and most of that was all at Ironman pace on the Wednesday so that was um, that was a really strong day again and something that I'll, I'll hopefully pull out on race day just that memory and that feeling of doing that and and lastly just that the, the run that we did on the able tasman i think that was mm. on the friday or the thursday from yeah. totoranui to um Wainui Wainui bay. bay yeah 
yeah, just beautiful, stunning, mm. quiet, good track, just zoned out. You could run the whole whole way and yeah, just just amazing to be able to do that midweek, no one there. Um sort of just forget about everything else in life and just zone out and enjoy it. Yeah, it was amazing. Was it was the hardest bit going into that ride with was it like the hardest part of the camp was when? Was it that ride you were talking about earlier? Oh, it was probably the hardest part for me was probably the, the first Sunday. Um, we rode out to where Outward Bound starts, which was a, a decent sort of ride. And mm. then we did a 17 or 18K two-hour run along the Queen Charlotte track. And that, that was okay. Yeah, but then coming home, oh, I was groveled. And I think John was just on the front the whole way. John tacked oh. on. I was like, no, I'm going back. <laughs> I was just groveling at that point. Yeah. So. I was wondering what was going on there because I was not going very hard on the front. And I was like, well, well they are people coming through here. Oh, yeah. I think I was at 200 watts on the way home. Just nothing <laughs> yeah. there at all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, cool. So what's, what's your plan going forward? You got Ironman New Zealand in December. Six um, weeks. Yeah. yeah. What, are you, what are you hoping to do there? um sort of still a bit of uncertainty there about the run so hopefully we'll we'll get that dialed in and see how it goes over the next few weeks um sort of discussed a rough plan around swim will be hard hopefully around the sort of around the 52 53 minute mark um the bike uh, sort of got a power number in mind but the conditions will pay play a big part there Mm. um i'm hoping with a a few sort of changes aerodynamics to the bike that that should go a bit quicker um and and then the run look i'm not the strongest runner that's my weakness but somewhere around sort of the 320 to 330 off the bike I'd, i'd be pretty happy with that um the fitness is definitely there in terms of the engine so it's just sort of transitioning that onto the run legs now and um yeah somewhere around sort of hopefully under 9 30 maybe 9 15 um on on sort of the perfect day that that would be that would be so sort of hopefully where we stack up what's the ultimate goal is, is to, what's the ultimate goal for you uh not sure yet I, I do have a kona slot for next year um but I, I got married this year and hopefully the plans to have a family pretty shortly so just okay. sort of see what happens on that front before sort of committing flights and accommodation um so so yeah bit up in the air um but yeah m- maybe after this i might just do a little bit more running um just to have a, a more more time really i guess works pretty work can get a little bit busy and, and wanting to spend a bit more time and weekends at home and that kind of stuff so we'll see we'll see how we go first and on the 10th of december Awesome. That was great to have you on the camp. You certainly kept everybody honest and you uh, kept us, as I said, you're you're a beast. Mo- moving along nice and, <laughs> nice and swiftly on the bikes. So uh, certainly saved me sitting on the front. We, we did a team time trial um, and there was three of us in our, and each, there were teams of three. There was one team of four and it was into a howling headwind. And on our team, I was by far the weakest link. We had Tim and we had uh, Dean Galt, who's riding stronger than me at the moment. And uh, I was riding second wheel behind Tim. Um, and I tell you, he's on his aero bars. I'm on my aero bars. And there's a lot of draft back there. It's uh, it's pretty healthy. So, yeah, appreciate all your work and uh, all the very best for uh, for December. Yeah, game on. Yeah, cheers. Now, thanks for the camp. It was a hell of experience. Re- really, really enjoyed it. And got some, yeah, just amazing scenery as well. And, and, and so awesome just to take some time out and have everything sorted out for you. Oh, it was amazing. So, yeah, yeah thanks heaps. Brilliant. 
Right. Uh, one of our most experienced athletes on the camp is his third camp in a row. It was only himself and I think Nick Hankinson managed to do all, do all three of our New Zealand camps through the through the pandemic, which were coming out the other end, was Hamish, I don't hit the wall. It's welcome along, welcome along to show Hamish. Hi, both. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so you were, you were a late sign up to this camp, a third camp in a row. Um, you keep past campers that haven't shown up entertained with your, um, your, your blog, which has been outstanding. Uh, what, what was the motivation to come along to this camp at uh, fairly late notice? Um, well, I was um, largely just looking through training peaks and I saw you program some stuff in there for um, Epic Camp. And then I was like, oh, it's just going to be easier if I go on Epic Camp, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so that was it. Nothing like getting real-time real feedback on your performance when you're away somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, and plus, <clears throat> it's getting to that time of year where everyone gets a bit tired and stressed, obviously, with work. And you're, you're really in the need of a break. So it always comes at it at a good time you sort of have a break from work and then you have epic camp and then you get stuck in for you know a, a couple more months and then you have the christmas break so it's a, it's a really good time of the year sort of to build a base and just um you know chill out from work if that, if that makes sense just to tell us a bit about where you kind of sit in terms of your performances so people can get a bit of a grasp of um, what sort of speed of athlete you are so tell us just a little bit about your your try background and um what sort of time you bang out for for an iron distance race um so i've been doing tries for sort of the last few years um, um luckily getting slightly faster um, so I did um, Cairns in June in um, 10, 10 hours 30 exactly. Nice. Um, I'm getting I'm getting relatively faster on the run, it's fair to say. I did, I did the run in 3.29, which was quite pleasing, and my swim times are coming down. Um, so so largely it's all about all about the bike going forward. Um, that's probably mm. my my weakest weakest area at the moment or the area that I need to improve on the most. So one of the, the points for getting you on, on today was to, to run us through some stats for our camp because I haven't added them all up. So it's as much for my benefit as for, for, for our listeners, but also gives them a bit of a, a sense of what we kind of went through in the last little, last um, 10 days. But also I think it really highlights we did a lot of running on this camp uh, in terms of time on the feet, but a lot of it was trail running and, and everybody handled it extremely well. So maybe hit us with, with some of your stats from the camp. Yeah, so for this camp in uh, 2022, uh, we did um, 923Ks of um, biking uh, with just over 8,000 metres of vert. Um, I didn't tack on very much, so I think for camp completion, you're probably looking at about 900Ks of, of biking. Mm. Um, for, for running, we did a lot more running. I did 136 kilometres. Um, that did include a 40-kilometre tack on when I got a bit excited one day. Um, <laughs> but um, you're probably looking at about 120Ks of camp completion, so a lot more than previous years. And we did, and that included, that was running over 3,000 metres of elevation. That's um, so yeah. So it's quite a lot, significant, yeah. And we did a lot more swimming on this camp too. We did about 14.2 kilometres of swimming. Um, um, and I don't think I really tacked on for anything on swimming. Yeah, and um, the vast majority, well, all bar two of those swims were um, were open water swimming, which was uh, which was testing in a couple of couple of places. Um, it was it was pretty yeah, pretty it fresh. Was. Um, so most of the time we were sort of swimming. 
one to maybe up to about two and a half k. I think was probably our longest open water swim. Um, yeah, how, how does this sort of compare to, to the past camps we've done? Well, I've got all those stats too, John. Yeah, um, I've got a lot of stats written down here. <laughs> <laughs> so total, <laughs> these are my instructions before this interview, of course. Nice, you've, you've done um, the work, well done. Yeah, yeah I've done, done the prep. Um, so total time for this camp was about 54 hours of training, so that's about six hours a day. Um, and the intensity for this camp, based on my data and training peaks, was quite a bit higher than the other camps. So oh, I was sitting nice. on, for the, if you're looking at zones one to seven through training peaks, for my riding, I was sitting on zone two, quite often three, and in zone four for most of the climbing. Yeah. Um, and in previous camps, uh, probably the camp last year in 2021, um, the pace in the front group was, was significantly slower. So I was quite often on in zone two, sometimes in zone one if I was at the back. Yeah. Um, but, to, but to provide an example for, for this camp, um, because I was the only person in the front group on a road bike and everyone was on TTs, when I was slowly getting dropped off the back, I was having to push 500 to 700 watts to rejoin the group. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there's quite a few. There's quite a few. On day one in my, in my training peaks, there's quite a few periods of time where I'm having to hit that just to hang on to the group. Um, and that's what happens when you have people in, the, in, a, in that group that average 270 watts for their, for their Ironman. Ironman pal. Exactly. Um, even it's fair to say, even you, John, was suffering a little bit at the back. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Being a bit lighter and smaller than those big, those just big hammerheads at the front. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. But and but in the 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 distances um, for this camp compared to other camps, we obviously did a lot more running and swimming. Um, in 2020, we did a lot more biking because uh, it was point to point. Uh, so for 2020, I did. Um, 1,329 kilometres with just over 10,000 metres of vert. Mm. Um, but we didn't do as much running and swimming. Um, but interesting, um, you planned this very well, John. Um, total training time for each each of the last three camps comes just about bang on around six hours a day. Mm. Uh, so, so for 2020, we had 50, I did 53 hours, 2021, 52 hours, and 2022, uh, 54 hours. Um, well, so, that, so for, largely for camp completion, it's around yeah. six hours a day. Yeah, and yeah. is that moving time or is that uh, that's moving out, time? Yeah, so people people got to remember when when you're talking six hours of moving time, that's probably seven, pop, and, a seven and a half yeah. or so in probably terms day. of actual actual you know being out there. Yeah. So that that's pretty noteworthy. Um, look, so you, you mentioned one of the, the tack-ons you did, and um, we we had this run which was round. Uh, lake Rotowiti, um, which is a beautiful part of the country. It's in the, in the Nelson Lakes. And to do a lap of the lake was 20, I thought it was 25. I was telling people it was 25, 26 Ks, ended up being 28 or something like that. Um, it was a, it was a run, a, a jog with some walking in places because it was a bit rough. Um, and then we were sitting up there having our lunch and I was a bit smoked and somebody made a comment because there was the option of doing half a lap or a full lap. And somebody had made a comment, oh, this is a bit of an easy day. And I was sitting there going, what? I've just run three and a half hours. There ain't anything easy about that. Um, but then other people said, well, there's, not, there's, there's still some food left here. Has everybody been in? And I said, well, I haven't seen Hamish yet. And then I looked at my phone and Hamish had sent me a text saying, I'm still out here. I'm going to be a while. I've found some new trails. <laughs> um, so I ran three and a half hours doing 20, 28 Ks or something like that. And uh, Hamish decided to tack on to go to 
40 Ks and be out there for about five hours. So I guess what took us through that run, you know, what was the motivation? What did you enjoy about it and, and why did you tack on? Um, so <clears throat> for listeners, um, we started off as a group for that run. Um, John soon left me for dead by myself. Um, so, <laughs> so about halfway around the run, I got lost and couldn't find the river crossing. Uh, so I just plunged straight into the river um, to get to the other side, which happened to unfortunately be the deepest deepest point of the river. I trained right up right up to my chest, so I was completely saturated. <laughs> um, so so on, 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 on getting to the other side, my goal for the rest of the run was just to um, get warm, warmed back up really and dry dry myself. <laughs> um, so when, when I finished that lap, um, I thought, oh, well, I'm, I've been out here for a few hours. So I might as well go explore the rest of the trails while I'm in this part of the country because it's the part of the country that I haven't been before. And I actually found where the recreational area is on the other side. And it's and it's massive. They just had an unlimited amount amount of mountain bike trails and just general walking trails. Um, so I, once I got into one of those trails, I, I thought I'd go a few kilometres, and that ended up a few more kilometres. And it wasn't really until sort of hunger and water water drove me back. Um, so there wasn't any any particular motivation. It was just a being in the moment, really. You, you missed the part about the killer swan. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. In in my off road journey, there was this massive black swan that I stumbled upon, unfortunately, which was going to have a crack at me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't realise how black swans, how big black swans are, until you they're right in your face. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a, a definitely definitely a, a moment of the camp. Um, and you, you seem to handle the the running really well. Um, and everyone sort of did. Uh, do you think it was just because it was a, a bit slower or, or trail running or what What do you think? Trail uh, running is, is, yeah. is, is the surface. Um, yeah. I'm lucky because I've done I've done a lot of ultramarathons, so I have a very efficient sort of ultramarathon shuffle, which is all about limiting the impact on the legs, really, you know, sort of small steps, high cadence. Yeah. Um, and then that, then in conjunction with the soft trails means you can actually run if you're sort of sitting around sort of zone one, zone two at the most. You can just you can continue running for sort of day in day out without really getting injured. Uh, okay. Uh, any particular highlights from the camp? Um, no, that that day um, that day was a particular highlight, and then that um, last trail one we did, which I forget where that started from. Tochinui to Wainui Bay. Tochinui, Wainui Bay. Yeah, that was amazing, and that that trail was just sensational. It was hard packed. It was like running on the road. Um, and and the um, and the um, just just the general uh, area and the um, I guess the weather as well was was really good. So um, by, by and large, yeah, that it was, was very good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> awesome, Hamish. I loved getting those stats, uh, and that gives people a good good sense of what we got up to. And uh, you performed exceptionally well. Um, smoked it on the uphill climb up Taka, hanging onto my wheel pretty much all the way, which was which was good. Trying to even try to encourage me to hold on to Tim's wheel. He said, come on, hold that wheel. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> you're dreaming, right? We're not even halfway up yet. That's not happening. Um, no. And we, we look forward to seeing you smoking it at uh, Ironman New Zealand in, in a few weeks' time. So uh, all the very best for that. Awesome, mate. Great. 
Rightio team, you've heard from who have we had so Before far? And after. Yeah, we've, we've had Hamish on, who's an experienced campaigner. Tim, who was um, a new athlete to the camp, but he was uh, the strongest athlete up front. And Gareth, who's been to a few and coming off Hawaii Ironman. One athlete that you heard from last week is her first full camp. She's done the mini before. Um, that was Rebecca Spears. So welcome back to the show. Hi. Um, right, so we heard from you. It was at the end of – we arrived in Sanan, which was the end of the horrendous windy day, which was uh, survival time for, for a lot of us. Um, so that was sort of just about the halfway point. Um, how did you sort of fare for the for the rest of the camp in terms of uh, energy levels and, um, and sort of get, getting through it? Yeah, so that was obviously a tough day. Um, so we did have a little bit of respite the next day because the, um, the weather wasn't so good, so we didn't do as much as um, much cycling or anything as everyone had planned, but we did have a really lovely trail run that day. So I think actually that did help a little bit because we did have like a mini reset halfway through the camp um, just to kind of like catch your breath and charge. So I think that definitely helped for the second half of the camp. Um, yeah. How did you um... – what's your sort of motivational process i know when we spoke to you last week you were kind of breaking it into the rides into sort of 20k segments and just going i've just got to do another sprint distance triathlon here after we'd spoken to you you know we had it still had a few longer days um you know especially one day we rode about 160 kilometers um how do you how did you sort of continue to keep that motivation day after day once the the fatigue started to sort of kick in yeah, so that's that was our longest day, um, and I got dropped fairly early on on that, that day because the second group came through, and then the the group that I was with managed to hang on with Gareth at the front, and then I kind of got spat out the back on that, um, just couldn't quite hang on, and I well, I, I just didn't want to risk blowing up, so I just decided not to redline it too much. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I didn't actually – it was okay. Like, it, it wasn't obviously ideal um, soloing that day, but um, it was okay because um, I knew the route and it's actually, like, one of my favourite rides in New Zealand, just going down that Motawaka Valley um, towards the coast. So um, I just wanted to enjoy it, to be honest. It's just like um, – I, I think I worried before I came into the camp that I might have some really dark sort of existential moments of, like, <laughs> I can't go on, but that didn't happen. <laughs> um i think i think i just it's just you just keep pedaling really you just like i'm in this most beautiful part of the country it's a nice day i'm riding downhill i like climbing hills so we've got Taka hill at the end of the ride so i wasn't i wasn't really worried about finishing um, i just knew i'd yeah. be a little bit slower than some of the others but it wasn't really too bad um and yeah i I think you just you just don't um, let it overwhelm you. I think you just keep going <laughs> and do, do just you, enjoy it. I mean, I've been in situations where I'm the slowest in the group, and a lot of people will will have been in those situations themselves. So, do, do you feel any pressure in in terms of um, what the others are doing, and and if so, how do you, how do you kind of deal with that? And I'm, I'm thinking more for people who might be thinking about joining a camp in, in the future, whether it be my camp or, or another camp, and they're going, oh, I might be the slowest, I might be at the back, you know, how, how did you kind of deal with that? I think um, it's a bit like doing a race, really. You've just got to ride to your level. Like, you obviously, like, a camp's going to push you a little bit more than you 
used to doing normally and that's part of it right um but everyone's everyone sort of has a limit and like you've got to just be okay with like this is where I am right now mm. I can't keep up with the middle group today mm. <laughs> and I'm okay with that and I, I did find um like in the back half of the camp I actually felt like I got stronger through the camp so I reckon by about day six the day we rode out towards um farewell spit um, the, the ride back, particularly coming there, we you know we'd ridden out 50k, we'd done a 10k trail run. I just felt super strong on that cycle back. Mm. Um, yeah, and it was just like ah, like I've got another battery now. <laughs> like, mm. so I think just let it build during the camp, and and I think you'll surprise yourself that you can do more than you think you can. Yeah. Cool. So um, any particular highlights from the camp for you in terms of uh, this is partly being a tour guide and if people are coming out to New Zealand or, or any particular th- either highlights or things that you did that were uh, you sort of put it at the top of your tree? Um, yeah, definitely that day we went out to Anakiwa and the Farewell Spit Day. Um, they were really the two of the highlight days. And also I really enjoyed that trail run that we did at the top of the Able Tasman because I think mm. – um, I think maybe not that many people have done that stretch of trail before. I certainly hadn't. Like I've run the rest of the trail, but not that top section. So that was really cool because it was just just a really cool trail, wasn't it? It was just like mm. really windy and hilly and beautiful scenery. And um, I even bumped into someone I knew on the trail, which was bizarre. <laughs> That's the sort of thing that happens in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and I did enjoy the swim on the last day at Kai Terry Terry in the in the rough water. <laughs> yeah. It was just it was pretty epic to swim. <laughs> Uh, yeah <laughs> it certainly was awesome and and what have you what have you got on the agenda coming up now you know if a lot of people were doing Ironman New Zealand or getting ready for an event you were kind of treating epic camp as your event which I encourage a lot of people to do was that kind of how it was you the, the camp was the event and, and you kind of just um took over with things during summer um I think I kind of use it as a springboard really um yeah I, did, I wanted to do it have a bit of a challenge to train up for over winter and just see if it was something I could do, which, which I've ticked that box now. So I'm kind of proud of that. And then um, summer's looking good. There's lots of things happening in November. Um, catching up with Nick uh, and Rachel, hopefully a couple in a couple of weeks' time, to, we're going to run the Timber Trail over a weekend. We've got the around Taupo race coming up at the end of November. And then this weekend, um, like I go riding with a bunch of gravel riders in Tauranga, and we're going to do a ride up in the Coromandel on the 309 road and the um, Corrie Glen road, which will be really cool. So we're sort of training up for a big trip in February, um, sort of uh, riding down the South Island from the Sound, um, Charlotte, Queen Charlotte Sound to Milford Sound, and I'm kind of joining in halfway. So, we, yeah, we're going to just do lots of trail riding to get build up for that. Yeah, and there'll be a few sprint tries in the mix as well. So, yeah, it's it's looking good for summer. Awesome. Love your work. You did exceptionally well. Um, we all had some solo time, but you had more than than others, and you just kept a smile on your face and kept plugging away and, and a good example for, for others who might be sort of a bit worried about going on camps, um, knowing that, you know, just how you kind of break things down and mentally deal with it. You did an awesome job. So thanks for coming back on the show, and uh, good luck for summer. Legend. Thank you very much. <laughs> So, team, if you do want to do an epic camp, go to epiccamp.com. When's the next one? Um, well, it's to 
be confirmed. We're going to Rote uh, next year and then I've got an Alpe d'Huez camp that's going to be in 2024 and I've just got to decide what I want to do for New Zealand. So if you want to do do want to do a New Zealand camp, get in touch. Um, I've got a few a few ideas. It really just comes down to demand. and um, uh, yeah. Supply and demand. Supply and demand. Okay, let's talk about our sponsor. We've got an amazing sponsor who's uh, Form Goggles. Tell us all about it, John. Yeah, so you guys hear what we talk about um, with these goggles you get. Basically, it's like having a, a run computer in your or you know, bike computer in your eye. Um, some of the metrics you can see while you're swimming is pretty much anything you can think of. You can have stroke rates, split times for your last length, split time for the interval, distance, distance of interval, distance per stroke, um, pace per 100 meters. And if you really want it, you can see how many calories you're burning as you're going through <laughs> the swim. Don't know why you'd want that stat, but you can have it if you want to. Um, well, that's a motivator for some people. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah, and some if, you, if you're you know, getting into the treadmill, some people want to burn as many calories. Yeah. If you if you if you're pitching this to, to Joe Public, who are yeah. using this not as necessarily a performance tool as a calorie burning tool, then then good luck to you. But it's not a metric I have displayed. What I do normally have displayed, um, which I find helps me hugely when I'm um, in the pool, is I have interval distance and interval time. And so that way, every time I turn every 25 meters, I wish I swam in a 50 meter pool, but we've only got 25 meters. Oh, Two years? So you, so you say, Bevan. Two years? Yeah. Remember the earthquakes? 20, 20. Oh, but 20, it's getting made. You, it's there's, getting a, made. there's a show up there now. Yeah, it's 12 years and it's still, uh, 11 years and it's still. It's convenient for you too. You don't have to go to QE2. Uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it when it yeah. opens. Anyway, I swim in a 25 meter pool. I get stats every time I turn um, and the ones that I have are basically telling me how far the interval I've been, which really helps with your lap counting, and then I have the interval time. So if I'm, say, for example, going through and doing a, a 400, I'll probably only really be check, looking in my eye every 100 metres to check, A, how many lengths I've swum, and B, that I'm um, going in and doing the pace that I want to be doing. So some days that's not such a good thing if you're having a bit of an off day, but it's just an absolutely fantastic tool. You'll hear me talk a lot about doing descending sets so say for example you're doing three four hundreds and you want to do one steady one moderate one hard um, it's just the perfect way to pace yourself through that to make sure you hit your times so check them out form goggles um, get the most accurate real-time metrics hundreds of guided workouts and lap by lap motivation go to formswim.com and use the promo code im15 and everyone who i know who's, who's got them rave about them oh yeah they love them. Uh, like like it's it's all you know going back to the products that have changed things in the last couple of years I wouldn't be surprised if we get quite a few answers around that. So again, if you want to improve your swimming, you're looking for higher motivation, you want to get more out of your swimming, go to formswim.com. Okay, let's go wanger of the week. Well, you want to choose an epic camper, do you? Well, I'm eighth last week, um, 27 hours and 39 minutes of moving time. I've got, it would have been Hamish Wall. Okay, I've, got, so I've got a bit of a gripe. Oh, Hamish, actually, by our normal standards, Hamish did swim, bike and run, so he gets it. Okay. Because the guy that was on top, Rodrigo Gomez, um, he had 61 hours of cycling, but like one of them he didn't, I, I think he just left his bike computer oh, on. Oh, that old chestnut. Yeah. So we had uh, ranking on our, hold on, last week, we had first place Hamish Wall, 34 hours and 20 minutes of, of training, 2 hours and 11 minutes of swimming, 19 hours 38 on the bike and 12 hours 29. Rebecca Spears, who you also hear on today's show, she was in third. Dean Galt, who's also on the camp, was fourth. Rachel Cunningham was fifth. Sonia Pippin, she only bikes, she doesn't count, she wasn't on her camp. And Tim Doyle in seventh, and then me in eighth. She doesn't count. So there we go. The, the only other people in the top of the leaderboard were people that rode their bike slot or left their bike computers on. Uh, so there you go. Hamish Wall, you are our wanger of the week. 
Okay, I've got to go back to my notes here. Okay, so let's go back to the quiz question. The quiz question. I've got to find the answer to this. Okay, so wait a second. So Bizzoni won the second year, didn't he? I reckon, I'd say you're right there, Bevan. Yeah. So who won the first one? Was well, it Alexander? Well, that's what I'm going for. I'm going Craig Alexander, and I'm going, say, 2008 as a, as a guess. And on the female side... Was the first year, was the first year someone who wasn't that good? Um, I'm going to go maybe... Alexander definitely won it. Uh, I've got two, two things that spring to mind. Leander Cave, Julie Dibbins, and my two choices. Around that time, so if it was around 2007 or eight, Leander Cave was pretty sharp. She did win a 70.3 World Championship. She did she? win one, whether it was the first one or not. So I'll put my... Okay, I'm going to go Cave as well, and I'm gonna, we're both in the same. Cave and Alexander, here we go. Well, it looks like it was 2006, and we are geniuses, because yes. Craig Alexander did take it out from Simon Lessing and Richie Cunningham. So the good thing is, it was uh, the right people. Yeah. And then we didn't do very well on the boys. On the, on the uh, girls. Samantha McGlone oh, of yeah. the girls was first. American. Uh, Canadian. So it was Canadian 1-2. Yeah. Lisa Bentley was second. And Marinda Carfrey was third. Who won the next year? Was uh, that Bizzoni? Andy Potts. Okay, I forgot Oscar that Glindes and Andrew Johns. And Trenzo was the next year. And female was the second female year? Female second year was Marinda Carfrey, Samantha McGlone and Leander Cave. Leander Cave won it in 2012. I saw it a bit later in the piece. Hmm. It was the same year I think she won Kona. No, no, she won Kona in 20... We, we were there, four, were we? Was it the year I was racing, 2014? We were there, we were, no, we were there when she won her, got her, her lifetime. We were there when she won it? Yeah, we interviewed, I think she was like the first interview we did of the week. Whatever year that was, that she won Kona, Yeah, I remember going down to the hotel, it doesn't exist anymore, it was called the Outrigger, and it was sort of towards the end of Ali Drive, and... Yeah, she, I'm pretty sure that was the year she won it. What was she doing now? We interviewed her not that long ago, coaching. Yeah, probably, mm. yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well, that's good. Well, there you go. There you go. Okay, your swim seat, what'd you do? Uh, so I didn't actually go swimming today because my arm's still buggered, and that was one thing with the I'm camp. still buggered. <laughs> I had to, I turned up, had a buggered arm, buggered leg, got through it all though. Um, kudos to Andrew Abercan, who fixed me up and got me running, which was great. Uh, so this morning I sent Tom down to the pool with the program. 300 warm-up, 50 freestyle, 25 back, 25 breast, four times 75, one length kick, one length drill, one length swim. And then the main sets were 600 steady, 6 100s moderately hard, 100 IM easy, 400 steady, 400s moder- 400s hard, 100 easy IM, 200 steady, two 100s very hard, 100 easy IM, about 3.3, something like that. Nice, nice. What Hopefully back in the pool on Friday, Feeling starting to feel a bit better. What was his report? What was he happy with the decision? How's the swim? Good. Oh, that's what you get at the stage. Yeah, yeah one syllable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How's your day? Good. Yeah. What happened? Not much. Yeah. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Can you elaborate on it? No. <laughs> it's so frustrating, that period. Uh, my daughter doesn't shut up now. She's like, my daughter's a real talker, and I love it, because she'll, like, we'll, she'll ring, we'll talk for like an hour and a half. Um, but that teenage period when you're one syllable. Yeah. How are you feeling? Good. Yeah. It's hard, yaka. That's Okay, Jombo, let's say thank you to our patrons. Chris Shredder Trader. We've got Anthony Long Train Running Weeks. And James the Red Rocket Thomas. Okay, if you want to become a patron of the show, go www.imtalk.me. Go through the patron process. Also, you can become, uh, get the show emailed to you from that page. Form Goggles are our sponsor for today. So form.swim, formswim.com. Use the IM code, IM15 code at, at checkout. Um, John's Camps. 
epicamp.com for John's coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. For my podcast, Bevan James Isles Show, you can check that out at Bevan James Isles. You can also get my book at passionaboutexercise.com. Age uh, group of the week, cool websites, other stuff, email us at iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. So what's your goss, John? What's my goss? How's it, brownie points when you get home? Brownie points? No, I'm a negative balance. That's what I mean. You've got to, you've got to oh, build yeah. up your brownie points. Yeah, I've got to build them how back do you, up. How do you build them back up? By forgetting everything and bring your wife to bring the stuff up? Yeah, well, I turned up today without any of the recording equipment that I took on the camp, which didn't even really use. No. Uh, turn up with a bottle of wine when I get home. That's oh, always helpful. That's, that's good. Um, yeah, no, it's got to be some some rebuilding happening over the next little period. But mm-hmm. no, going into race season, so that's all good. What's the next big race? Uh, well, next thing is going to be Everesting in December. Oh, that's right. So that's where I've got to build build up towards that. So I just need to. My advice for people when they do these camps is Monday through Friday, straight after the camp, thirty to sixty minutes of easy exercise each day, and then do something significant at the weekend and have one day off at the weekend. But you can't stop the engine running. You got to keep. Got to keep kind of moving, otherwise you'll uh, seize up. A bit like what you do post Ironman. If you stop completely for a month straight after Ironman, it's really hard to get going again. So this week is, uh, yeah, pretty much catch-up mode for me. And just get back, in the, get back in the groove, make sure my athletes are on fire, and uh, get ready for the upcoming races. I've just been in sports mode. Mm-hmm. It's a good time for sports right now. Because you've got oh, the yep. Cricket to World, World Cup, and mm-hmm. we're doing great. Mm-hmm. We smashed the Aussies. It was, that was so good. Oh, did you watch that, did you? Well, we watched the first innings, and it was a bit late. We were on camp, yeah. and I'm thinking, that's a good score. But it's the, Aussie. Yeah, it's Aussie. Yeah. We're going down. Get out of the morning, smashed them, bro. Yeah, smashed them. And, and then the next game, we played autumn as well. It was a rough start. So we've got that happening, and then the Women's Rugby World Cup. It's mm-hmm. exciting this weekend because we're playing mm-hmm. the French, and they beat us, smashed us last time we played them. And then we've got the League World Cup, which I haven't got into much because there's basically a big difference between the good and the bad teams, but that kind of mm-hmm. kicks in from here now. And then we've also had, what else? Oh, oh the All Blacks. Oh, don't mention oh, the All Blacks. All Blacks. <laughs> What's happening with them? God. Yeah, I only watched a little bit of that they game. They did win was, for those overseas, for the American listeners. They did win, but it was a rough game to watch. Um, so, yeah, I'm just in sports mode. That's all I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Sports mode. Oh, okay, one thing I did do, because we in our house... We're very lucky. We've got beautiful views pretty much from every room in the house. And so, but on the bottom story, we've got a deck and there's trees that grow up. So every year I go and chop them back. I went and bought a good tool. Tool. Mm-hmm. Oh, John, mm-hmm. what a world of difference. Yeah. Because like, I used to have like this shitty little kind of thing, that, like a little saw, but it was pretty crappy and like little clippers. And it took me probably about three and a half hours to chop them back. Mm-hmm. It took me an hour. Mm. So I got this one just. And oh, just, you know when you're like new window wipers or mm-hmm. that new thing you get, and I was just like bang, 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 bang. Oh, so happy. There you go. And then at the end of the day, you go look at it and you, oh, it looks so good. So that's my biggest treat of the. Of the you've been training like a beast. I've been chopping down trees. There you go. Good forearm strength. Yep, definitely has <laughs> forearms. I tell you, I would, I would, I'm like Popeye nowadays, mate. I tell you. Anyway, John, let's wrap it up. Iron Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kick hard.